This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, you're in the locker room. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. And, of course, today I've been joined by Ninja Jacob, who's getting a lot of doing double duty and not only producing the show, but jumping in and out with me and he's got other duties and I appreciate him so very much because certainly he's a knowledgeable ninja and love to have his participation so looking along here one of the things that uh, I really enjoyed and one of the uh, guys that I thought uh, was a good pickup you know Montrevious Adams uh, Montrevious is an interesting guy you know they picked him up off a of practice squad I think it was New Orleans um, he's a guy that uh, I don't know um, He's interesting because, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of uh, the great Chris Hoke, uh, watching Hokey play. You know, Hokey was a little bit of an undersized nose tackle. He wasn't one of those guys that was overwhelmingly big and huge. Like, if everybody remembers Casey Hampton. Casey Hampton was an anomaly. I mean, you just don't see people like Casey Hampton. You don't get those people in, um, you know, walking down the boulevard of the Allies there. Uh, George Young used to be the GM of the Giants, used to say, he called it the planet theory, that there was only a certain number of guys walking this planet, um, you know, that were capable of doing that job. And you look at a Casey Hampton with a size, I don't know, was eight and a quarter head. I mean, man had a big head. I, it's funny because one time I asked Casey, I go, who's got a bigger head, you or Haloti Nada? Because Haloti Nada was a big uh, Polynesian defensive tackle for uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And um, I remember I said, Haloti Nada, what, what, what that means is a whole lot of noggin. Because, man, I, I got up close one time and I saw his helmet. His helmet was huge. I mean, that thing, I thought I had a big head. And I was like a, a seven and, I don't know, seven and three quarters, something like that. Seven and uh, seven and seven eighths type guy. But you know what? When you go over eight, when eight is what you're ringing the bell at with your noggin, that's that's a big noggin. That's a big melon. So, Casey Hampton, though, was one of those guys. Was he's he's just had an incredible size, but his strength and his speed and his quickness were just uncanny. I mean, he was just one of those guys that um, he was he was more or less a dinosaur in a dinosaur position because the, the nose tackle position is increasingly being lost because so many teams are playing sub package football, which leads to basically no nose tackle. But certainly Casey Hampton was one of those guys who was such a difference maker. I mean, he was immovable, and he was quick, and he was able to – he was agile and could run guys down. There was just so much about him. But Montrevious Adams um, is a guy that is interesting to me because he's able to go down the line. He's only about 300 pounds, maybe 304, something like that. But he's able to go down the line – and be able to move from sideline to sideline. That's not something you see in your average nose tackle. Uh, he's got that ability to be able to run, and he plays with a low pad level. And for people that don't understand what it means, it means making sure that you stay low. Coach Knoll, back in the day, Coach Knoll always used to say, yeah, low man wins, under and up. And what he's talking about is bending the knees, arching bow in the back, and being able to go under and up and create that leverage because he always felt that short leverage taller guys. Taller guys tend to stand up. You know, it's like in the goal lines. You know, you get down in the low red zones, and you're always looking when you're scouting on the on, on a goal line and, and, and uh, short yardage uh, defenses, you're scouting for the peaker. 
Who's the peaker? Who's the guy that lifts his head up, who gets a little bit higher because he wants to make the play, he wants to see the play occur? So in the scouting, you're always looking for that guy. You know, and one of the things about uh, a defensive lineman, if you get to be a peaker, you're going to be noted as a peaker, and people are going to start getting after you because you get yourself out leveraged. If you watch a, a Cam Hayward, you see the expertise in being able to throw the hands. You know, we talk about shooting the hands. Tunchilkin always talked about shooting the hands like uh, like, you're, like you're bench pressing to fire them out and, and hit the guy in the uh, shoulder pads, be able to control that man. And, Kate, and and Cam Hayward is one of those guys who uh, demonstrates week in, week out, play in and play out, that sort of technique. And he keeps his pad levels, his eye levels at about that of, of his opponent, you know, uh, right chin to chin, grill to grill, that sort of thing. Because you can neutralize the offensive lineman. If you get high, you get driven off the ball. But if you are able to maintain that low positioning, um, you can win. You can stalemate. And that's just importantly for a defensive guy. And that's one of the attributes I see in Montrevious. You know, I guess my, Mike Tomlin calls him Mon, as in the Mon, because, uh, you know, he, he, he the guy flows, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, he's a guy that I think, you know, as a nose tackle, he's got some there's – there's a possibility there. He came along during the, you know, during the season. He caught the proverbial moving train. And, uh, you know, I I like the guy. I think he was a good pickup. All right, do we have Tom Bradley now? All right, let's go to the coach, Tom Bradley. Coach, thanks for joining us in the locker room. Hello, Coach, are you there? Did we lose, Coach? No, uh, no, you they got me in here. <laughs> they, they, the, the ninjas tracked you down. They will hunt you down, brother. They did. We had some technical difficulties today. <laughs> uh, every time I'm on a show with you, something happens. <laughs> you know, that's because I'm sitting. Now, you got to understand, I'm sitting in this new iHeart Studios, right? There's a board in yep. front of me full of all different lights and buttons, and I just love to push lighted up buttons. You know what I mean? You just never know what you got. So it's always kind of <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's a great place up there. It really is. They've done a great job with the studio uh fabulous setup so absolutely don't mess it up. coach let me ask you first of all what are your thoughts post kansas city you know in the aftermath of this season in the aftermath of uh, a playoff loss such as it was 42 21 to the kc chiefs what were your thoughts post game well you know you know i i, I thought the first the kansas city game I, I really i, I like the way it got started i thought they had to they were spot on, and then it just kind of started to turn real quick when they got, you know, six possessions, six scores. And that, that's not that's not Steeler football. You know, that's not the way they play. And I think the one thing is, you know, they're, they look defensively, they, they're going to have to shore up the run game. I think they realized that. And they've had some injuries there in all, you know, fairness. And everybody can say next man up, but you lost some pretty good players up right. there that uh, can do some damage. And they're, they're excellent football players. Uh, Cam Hayward continues to play at a superior level. And if I'm a young guy watching football today and want to learn how to play defensive line, just watch watch him play. That's that's how you do it, okay? Uh, he amazes me. Uh, you can always tell a guy's effort by how far away he is from the ball on every play. And he, he, he runs to the ball every play if you watch him. So it's a, you know, on that part, he's, he's one of the phenomenal guys out there. And that's probably why he's all bro. T.J. Watt, 21 and a half sacks, I mean, 
that's a lot of sacks. And it wasn't like he was going against you every play, Wolf. So, I mean. So. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well played. Nice shot. I like that. <laughs> so, I had to get a shot in there. And I think offensively, you know, they, you know, they, they realize there's a lot of things they've got to get better. And, and, I, and I think they will. And, and so uh, it'll be interesting from here because of, uh, you know, with Ben not being there. You know, interestingly enough, one of the things that I, I you just kind of struck a chord. I remember when Steph Tuitt first came here to Pittsburgh, and I remember talking to John Mitchell, and John Mitchell said the first thing he had to do with Steph Tuitt was teach him how to run to the ball all the time. Coach, how many times have you had, or is that a continual thing, that you have to preach running to the ball nonstop? Well, you know, it's it's it's, it's a constant, you know, where I – you know, coached all those years at Penn State, Coach Paterno. I mean, you heard him say that every practice, run to the ball, run to the ball. And he would always use an example with the team. He would show the Franco Harris play. He said when Franco was right. here, he has to tell him, run to the ball. So, <laughs> And, you know, when you, you want to talk about an example, running to the ball, how much, how perfect is that for an example for anybody, you know? Absolutely. To football? So, I mean, there, there's a perfect example of it, and um, – so I always tell your efforts always contingent upon how far you are away from the ball when the play's over. Hmm. Now that's interesting. And certainly the reminder is every time you pass through Pittsburgh International Airport, and there you got Franco Harris alongside of, uh, I don't, who's the other statue of? Is that, I didn't even see, I think it's like George Washington or somebody else. <laughs> Somebody but, that you're not friends with, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, post-Kansas City, as you look at it, what do you think are the missing elements from the defense? You, you've no defense. You've coached it. Defensive coordinator, uh, secondary coach. Uh, I mean, you've, you've been a head coach. So, in, just in your thought, give me your thoughts about the defense. It, it, it's interesting because, it's, you know, people talking – I haven't studied the film enough to, to be an expert. And so I'll just be saying what I've watched on television, but I think the one thing they're going to have to do is, and they know that, you know, they've got to stop the run. That's not, you know, that's too many yards given up in the run game. And, right. and it's a lot of reasons. I don't want to just point on the front because that's not fair. When that happens, there's issues, a lot of different places. There's, you know, bad fits, linebackers, missed tackles in the second. There's a whole bunch of things that go right. into that. And I think that's the first order of business is to get that, uh, get that squared away and make a team one dimensional as, as much as you can. And, and, uh, and I think they will, I think it's a good group and it's a, it's a proud group. So I, you know, they are, you know, they'll get that fixed in the off season. I, you know, and the same, you know, offensively, I think, you know, people say run the ball, but when you get behind, you don't have a lot of choices, but you have to throw it to play, you know, to get back in it. So there's a lot of different things. That, um, but there is some really, uh, just some positive play, you know, Pat Frymuth had a great year. You can see he's going to be a heck of a football player. Right. You know, Weatherspoon came on, had three picks. Uh, that's that, that's great. So there's a lot of different good things going on. And, it, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, negative so many times. But I don't, you know, no sense being negative because, there's, you know, it's, it's a lot of good football players and it's going to be a really good football team. And I even heard some people t- talking about Wolf. I heard him today talking about the games next year. They were already predicting. Well, let's see here. We got the, the the North at home. We've got the Raiders, the Patriots, the Jets, the Saints, and the Tampa. They were arguing about that. You know how many they win. That? And then on the road, I, I was happy for you. I see everything's Eastern Time Zone, so you're in good shape. Well, you got the Falcons, the Bills. They right. always have great Wolf Day when you go back to Buffalo. Right. They always have 
big at Orchard Park. I know they have the little parade every time you come back. And uh, exactly, got, it consists of my wife, me, and my six kids. <laughs> no, you have a couple friends still up there. You know, your brothers show up. Yeah, know, oh, that's right. Know, that's right. They all will stop by and say hello. <laughs> And, and so, and then you have the, you know, you get the Dolphins and the Eagles on. It's, it's uh, going to be another interesting year coming up. You know what's so funny, Tom? And if you guys, and we're, we're going to explore this a little bit here, but I remember getting on the bus after Tampa Bay, the um, Super Bowl back in, uh, what, 08. All right, see, Steelers had just won. They're in Tampa Bay. I get on the bus. Mike Tomlin is like three seats ahead of me on the bus, right? We're going back to the hotel after the game's over. And there's a TV. It had a TV going on and, you know, and they, they it was one of these ESPN shows that's breaking down already who was the favorite for next year. And I remember Mike going, can you believe that? I can't even enjoy the moment right now. They're already picking the next next year's guy. I mean, the, the coaching profession knows no rest, does it? No, it doesn't. You know, you get the game over and then your last game of the year, you win a big game, let's say, and, and, and all of a sudden the next day you're going, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's just you're constantly thinking ahead, and that's the way you have to be if you're going to be successful. And uh, and I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, things that they want to do better next year. They're not happy where they were and, and getting eliminated in the first round. And But there's a lot of good football players in that team, a lot of great things that can happen. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Now, if you can lay out for us what the coaching staff might be doing now coming up. I mean, you move right into what the scouting and maybe prep for, um, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, going to the different, uh, you know, workouts and stuff for the guys. Well, first you have to have those exit interviews with your players. Oh, exactly. That's right. And then you'll begin to surmise, you know, what'll be, I guess, Mr. Colbert's last draft, you know, so, um, and going different places and you're know, looking at the pro days and the all-star games and getting that all set up and there, there's no rest of, they're going to be all back on that road, going places to, to watch people. And you know that what do the Steelers have, I believe the 20th pick of the draft. It, it should be an interesting draft this year in the state because the Philadelphia Eagles have three first round picks right now. Wow. So, you know, and the Steelers got there. So it's going to be, a, you know, how, how people like to argue football, you know, Eagles, Steelers, football state, especially, you know, because this is a, it's a football place. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to watch who, who they select and how they select and, you know, you know what they do, they sign. I think that's going to be the telltale how they, there's a few guys up for contract this year too. So a lot of the situations that need to be squared away. What, uh, Tom, when you, when you sit in with exit interviews, because they're basically they, I had one at the end. Uh, what was it ninety one? Way back when, uh, that's when they. I don't know. Maybe they just started doing them, but it was in Minnesota, and it really wasn't much of anything. It was just kind of like an informal get together. But the exit interviews, how important are they? And what's it like to sit in with a player who? You know, you, you, you want them to improve or whatever, and, and you do you highlight what they need to do in the off season, or are you like breaking down what occurred this past season? You know, it's interesting. I've always felt you let that, because you do it in college too. You know, you talk to the players after the season, and, and it's the first thing you really got to do as a coach is look at yourself in the mirror and, you know, because every time you're pointing a finger somewhere, that thumb's coming right back at you. Right. So look at yourself first and see what you can do better and ask them, hey, what 
you know, what how can what can I do better? So before you start, you know, saying what they can do better, but they know, and they just want to know they're pros. They want to get better, coach. You know, what do I need to get better? What what don't you like? What do you like? And there can be some debate. They mean, and that's fine if they disagree with you. There's no problem. There's you know, they're going to stand up for themselves and say, I think you're wrong about that, and um, and that's okay. But that's I think it's just a good chance for you know, good give and take back and forth, and a lot of other things you have to talk about too. Maybe where you're going to be, uh, you know, maybe they've been hurt, right? You know, the right. training, where you're going to get, there's a lot of different things that go in and, and with John Norwood involved and the doctors and everybody else, you know, what, what you expect from them in the off season. So there's a lot, I think each case is, is very, very different. One of the things that was different was the number of guys that the Steelers had to kind of dig deep and pick up. And one of the guys that I enjoyed who caught, well, in essence, is a moving train. And, and and I admire anybody that can catch on like that. But Montrevious Adams, you know, what do you think about what he gave to this team this year? Because I thought he was – he did a pretty decent job of, uh, you know, showing what he was capable of doing. Yeah, I thought it was a solid performance by him. Uh, he got an opportunity, took advantage of it, you know with the plays and, and, and how he did the thing. He's a solid football player, and I, and I believe he will fit into their plans at, uh, somewhere next year. Do you think, you know, the, the nose tackle, and we've got about 30 seconds to go, the nose tackle position is becoming such a dying breed. Um, the big boys just don't exist anymore, but you still have a need for them because the running game is still something that can gash you, as we saw this past year. Yeah, you know, Craig, that that position, you're right. That that's one that years ago was easier to find, but now it seems to be a very hard commodity. And a lot of it has to do with, I believe, that in college right now there's so many spread offenses and doing different things that your personnel on your defense is very different than it was, say, you know, 15 years ago. Absolutely. You know, when when everybody ran the eye and did right. things of that nature, it's more of a run. You know, a different style of game. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I want to thank you. For jumping in, I appreciate you so much, brother. Uh, hopefully, you got one more next week. Can, yeah, I'm okay. ready to go. All you right. gave me the marching orders, and you said you better be there. And I said, okay, I didn't mess around with you. Well, you don't, you don't right? want to mess with the ninjas. That's the one that'll get you. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Have a Coach. great day, Thanks. Appreciate Talk you, brother. You All right. All right, we'll be back with more. We got uh, the Cool Breeze, Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette coming up next. You're in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, uh, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. When you want black and gold football talk, you want SNR. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. This report is sponsored by Lowe's. In North Vanya Township, crews are working to clear a bunch of downed trees and utility lines secondary to an earlier crash in the 400 block of Cliff Mine Road. And in the Strip District, beware 17th approaching Penn Avenue, a water line break. That's the latest. I'm Carol Finelli. The Just for Pros event is back at Lowe's, and they're celebrating hardworking pros with special savings on the top tools, plus bonus perks to help you with your business. Lowe's, the new home for pros. Valid 117 to 128, U.S. only. Yes, Ms. Tubbs. Uh, no problem. I'll call someone about the One of Beatrice's properties needs a new superintendent. The speed down the sideline. McKenzie gets shoved out of bounds. And he made it back to practice after the, after the birth. Swing it to the outside. Cole Beasley gets involved. 20, what's that? Play action. Allen. 
deep downfield, wide open, touchdown Emmanuel Sanders, and the Bills are pouring it on. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are efforting Jerry Dulek, but you know what? We might have gotten our wires crossed up because uh, these things from time to time, you know, you for a little bit from Ramnesia, you know, <laughs> uh, spent most of my life like... Uh, running full speed into parked cars. So the fact of the matter is sometimes I get things a little bit screwed up. I might have not let him know that we were on this week. So this would fall on me, not Jerry. But coming right back, Jacob, uh, Ninja Jacob is with me here in the locker room. I'm back. You are back. Did you miss me? Of course I missed you. But I knew you were you're hovering somewhere. Ninjas oh are gosh, always well, around. When I'm not on with you, man, I, I'm, I'm so much more comfortable when I'm on because all I have to do is focus on being – talking to you <laughs> when i don't have to do that there's so much other stuff going on and i i just can't handle it <laughs> you can handle it you've done such a great job and i truly appreciate you jacob you are a multi-talented young man and thank you very much now i got to ask you something yes you know we're looking at we're looking at deontay johnson and deontay johnson uh you know he's got one year left on his rookie deal he could he'll be an unrestricted free agent uh, next season now they, normally, the, the the way they go about this, they try to sign them uh, now. It would be a good idea if you could sign them now. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing about it. Even though he had 107 catches, 1,168 yards, and eight TDs, I'm not so sure you want to put number one wide receiver money into this guy quite yet. Not that he isn't fabulously talented. He is fabulously mm-hmm. talented. But we've seen the likes of him having – some issues from time to time with the dropsies, which can happen, but at uh, very significant times. And certainly, you take a look at his last five games, you know, this past season, and he really, you know, he, he had a receiving yardage of 34, 51, 31, 51, and 38. So, you know, he, he kind of hits these not-so-productive periods, you know, and I don't know. I'm I'm not sure you're ready to sign him to, what, if uh, maybe it's fifteen twenty million for a number one receiver, I mean that's a lot of money. It's a ton of money, Wolf, and it's a ton of money for someone who the Steelers kind of trusted to be a number one guy and has yet to step up to be that number one guy. I know he's had his moments. He eclipsed a hundred or a hundred thousand. That would have been quite the scene to get a hundred thousand <laughs> yards in sixteen games. Yeah, eclipsed a thousand yards this season, but it wasn't the best one thousand yard season. Let's be honest. I mean. He was at one point the only receiver in the National Football League, I believe, without a single drop. And yet, I think it happened. I think it kind of started in that Detroit game in the overtime right? when he had the fumble. Deontay Johnson, to me, is someone who, not to say he live in, lives in his fears, but when the ball gets rolling, it can really kind of get out of control for him. So he had the fumble. And then he had the other fumble uh, against, who was it, the, the Kansas City Chiefs later on. But it, even in between then, he was starting to drop the ball. We remember the touchdown pass that he dropped at the end of the first half against Baltimore. I mean, that's not just a Deontay Johnson drop. That is something that 
anyone watching football could say, you ha- as a wide receiver, I don't care how bad a, a case of the yips you have, you have to make that catch. And that's something he just didn't do in that moment. And it kind of seemed to escalate. Now, in that singular game, he obviously came back, had a monster second half. He had 100 yards. He had two touchdowns. Right. But over the course of the rest of the season, he really took a step back. I, it's it's hard to describe a step back when you got 107 catches and almost 1,200 yards. But when you consider the playoff loss in Kansas City, I mean, you're talking about he had two drops, he had a penalty, he had 34 receiving yards. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things that um, is, is problematic, you know. Um, and, okay, something came on here. But anyhow, the point I'm making is with Deontay, the biggest thing was um, the fact that these relapses seemingly occur a little bit from time to time, and it's a situation where, um, you know, you're not sure you want to put that big money. I mean, think about it. Uh, if, if you go through these these re- these kind of lapses uh, periodically, and if you, you think he's really oh, a number one wide receiver, but you're, he's averaging less than 11 yards a catch, um, these are things that you got to contemplate before you end up putting some big money in him. So I'm not really sure uh, that I would be willing to be able to, you know, put that uh, put that kind of money in him. But by the way, I do believe we do have Jerry Dulac, and I think Jerry's coming on now. Jerry, are you able to come on with us? Are you there in the locker room, Jerry Dulac? All right, Jerry, are you there, buddy? Trying once, trying twice. I see he's on the board, but I don't see, I don't hear his, him talking. Are you there, Jerry? Okay. Well, we'll just keep rolling on here until and unless uh, I get, uh, oh, there you are. Jerry, you there? I'm here, Wolf. How are you? You are tremendous. You know, I couldn't remember if I had actually confirmed with you uh, to come on this, this week, and I just realized well, I, I might have forgot. Yeah, you had not, and that's okay, but my only issue is, and I don't mind, I'm driving, but I'm in the hills of West Virginia, so hopefully I'll be able to hang with you for a little bit. <laughs> what are you doing in the hills of West Virginia, brother? Coming back from the sunny climbs of Florida. Whoa, you headed, had, headed down I, there. I had to drop, uh, no, I'm coming the other way, unfortunately. <laughs> I had to drop. I had to drop my daughter down there. She's enrolled in the Disney College program. She got accepted, and she moved in yesterday. So um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm now heading back. That is tremendous. I heard that program, that Disney program, is really great stuff. Yeah, it's, it's exceptional. It really is, and it's great for the young kids. And uh, the setup and everything is just wonderful. And anybody who's ever done it just raves about the experience. So it's something she wanted to do. She got accepted into the program for the semester, so uh, that's where she's going to spend her spring semester, out of the cold of Penn State and in the sunny climes of Orlando, Florida. That sounds terrific. I think if, if I didn't flunk everything, I'd, that would be something I'd be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, give me your uh, thoughts post-Kansas City, the playoffs. What were you thinking, you know, as the, the game wound down and then in the aftermath, just now that it's a kind of – you distill it a little bit. You kind of sit back, let it kind of marinate, and then what? What are your th- What are your thoughts? 
Well, my immediate thoughts is what we saw in Kansas City is pretty much what we've seen, uh, you know, the last seven or eight weeks. Um, uh, you know, uh, the inability to score and then, um, you know, the defense, which I thought played very well. I, I said at the time it seemed strange that the, the Steelers gave up 302 yards in the first half, and yet I thought the defense was pretty good. It sounds, you know, it sounds weird to say that, but you know, it, they were hanging in there. You know, yes. they got the scoop and score. Uh, they got the scoop and score touchdown. Um, and, and, you know, the, the big play, though, was that third and 20. Uh, that turned the whole game around, Wolf. You know, they, they lost, uh, you know, they got exposed there. They, they, they ran with Tyreek Hill deep. They got exposed underneath. They throw the pass to Kelsey. And uh, Trey Norwood gets caught a little flat-footed. And now it's 21-7 instead of a seven-point game at halftime. They get the ball in the second half. They score. Now it's 28-7. The game's basically over. So, you know, their offense, they keep, they keep digging these big holes on the road, as we have seen, uh, on four other times, including the last time in KC. And it's just too big a hole to climb out of, no matter what they try. Um, so it's a lot of what we had seen, certainly the second half of, of the season. There's no question about it. I was interested in just your thought process as you kind of like you break it down a little bit and you, you look at that and the defense, which, you know, I really expected these guys to come out and play like they did early on. I really did because I really believed in this is a group of guys that, you know, and a franchise that has prided itself historically on playing big and big moments on, uh, you know, when you got your back to the wall and all that sort of thing to come out fighting with a chip on your shoulder. And I think they really did. They manifested that sort of attitude and ability. But it wore down, as you said, when the defense is constantly under pressure like that against such a right, phenomenal right. offense and the weaponry they possess, it's so difficult. But in the second half, it was just it was a little bit discouraging to see just how things continued on a downhill. Yeah, you know, Wolf, and, and you're right, and it, it wore them down physically and it wore them down mentally. And um, I, I think, um, you know, that they, they, they know how good the Chiefs are. And like you said, when it's that type of offense, it, you're, you know, you're just kind of whistling past the graveyard all the time every time you stop them. And they did early. They played – that's why I give the defense credit for what the way they played in the first half, despite all those yards. Uh, they were battling, and uh, I thought they played very well, forcing punts. Um, but it just it just wears on you, and and you know they knew from the last time what that offense is like, and um, it just it just became too much. And um, you know you look uh, you look what uh, go back. Uh, I talked to a couple people. Um, go back to the Buffalo game, you know, because Buffalo is going to play the Chiefs. Well, the Steelers believe the Chiefs are better than Buffalo. I actually think Buffalo is going to beat the Chiefs because how explosive the uh, Chiefs offense is. And, and that's what they were faced with in both games in Kansas City. And you're just, you know, one little mistake and they get on a roll and, and you're done. And that's pretty much what happened. So give me your thoughts now, because it, apparently to me, it looks like Matt Canada is coming back. And I, I, here's the thing about it. I not, I, you don't know how much difference you can make in one year if you're given the reins as Matt Canada was. Uh, the fact of the matter is I'm not sure that, you know, how much of that offense was Ben, how much of it was Matt. And then now to turn around, I, it, I'm interested to see quite possibly how this could kind of work out through the OTAs. 
Well, a couple of things that I will point up. One is that Bruce Arians was told he, by Mike Tomlin on two occasions he was coming back, and then uh, you know the uh, the ownership intervened, and uh, they decided they didn't uh, they weren't going to give Bruce Arians a contract. So all I'm going to say is just because Mike Tomlin gave him without an endorsement, but basically an endorsement, that doesn't mean that's what the way it's going to happen. I'm not saying he won't be back. All I'm saying is it blew up in Bruce Arians' face as well True. once before. So uh, just just keep that in mind. Uh, I, I was um, I was also what surprised me most about Mike Tomlin's post-season uh, wrap-up is that when it, that they knew with uh, that the offense was going to take a step backward this year. Wolf, in the history of the National Football League, certainly my history of the National Football League, I have never known a coach to hire a coordinator and expect to go backward. Hmm. Every any new hire, you were the reason you're making a new hire is because you are expecting to do better. You are expecting to get better, and they didn't. And so to say that we knew we were going to take a step backward is almost shocking to me that he would say such a thing. Um, and and so that that in itself was was kind of baffling to me. And then to say. There were other factors that I don't want to get into. Well, he's laying the blame on other people. And to me, quietly, it sounds like he's blaming his quarterback. You know, he could have said, well, we had four rookies and everything. But, Wolf, if they thought they were going to take a step backward, as he said, I didn't hear him say that at the beginning of the season, did you? You know, so if he thought they were going to take a step backward, why didn't he say that before the season? But, again, you're making a change of coordinator to get better. And, and to do, you know, to do things differently, apparently, but to get better, not to take a step backward. And it was just that whole comment and that whole uh, phrasing there of everything was surprising and was more, was more astounding to me than anything else. Jerry, what do you think as, you, as we move forward? Because I know that uh, you'll be proud. Are you going to Indy, the, the uh, combine? I will, yes. Yes, well, I've been invited to try out with the quarterback, so I'll be there. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what you got as far as a driver in that right arm, buddy. But you can pitch a good wedge, right? <laughs> there you go, Attaboy, Wolf. But yes, I, I. So long as they're having the combine, you know, I'm, I'm, I think they will. But you never know with this, with the uh, COVID. Right. Um, but yes, I will be. I okay. will be. What do you? What are you thinking? Uh, I know that uh, we're getting towards the end here, and I don't want to lose you in the hills there. And by the way, I hope you got right. dry roads, my friend. You know, um, uh, they're they're okay. Well, I have a four wheel drive, so I'm okay. Okay, but, good. Uh, everything's okay. Got to watch out for our buddies. Okay. You know, that's the way we work here. So, as you yes, as you sir. go into the off season here, what do you think? Steelers, you know, draft. Just preliminary thoughts. It's you know, just off the top of your yeah. head. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I don't think there's any question. They know uh, that they have to address both lines of scrimmage. Um, I think you'll see them, uh, you know, offensive line in free agency and the draft. But to me, I think two of their first three picks need to be defensive line. Uh, they've addressed a lot offensively with skilled people. Um, you know, I, I now a lot of that's going to depend if they re-sign Juju, and, and I've changed my mind and my attitude about Juju. Uh, one, I think they need to re-sign him, and two, I actually think they will re-sign him because otherwise you're turning that receiver core over to Chase Claypool. We know some of the issues he had this year. 
and, and Deontay Johnson because I don't think James Washington will be back. So, to me, I think they almost have to re-sign Juju, and I think they want to. Yeah. Um, but I think both lines of scrimmage is what they will address. You know, I really like what you're talking about with Juju because the fact that he rehabbed basically undercover so well and that he was, you know, willing to come out and, and put it all on the line right there at the end, I, I found that um, I found that very, very endearing. I mean, if I'm a teammate and I got a guy there that, that's bust his hump to come back and, and put his hand in the pile, as, a Mike, as Mike Tomlin would like to say, um, I find that to be a real something. It's a real strengthening of the team. So, Jerry, I want to yeah, thank you I, so much. I, oh, sorry, buddy, but we got to run. But thank you for, for jumping in here as you drive through the hills of West Virginia. Well, for any time for you, you know, my friend. I appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you. Drive safe, you know, in the uh, country roads of West Virginia. All right, we'll be back with a wrap-up here to the locker room. Uh, right after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. So I'm taking in the Tampa game. I'm sitting there. And, and, you know, I'm watching Bruce Arians come off the sidelines there, and he whacked his own man, Andrew Adams, on the helmet. Safety, Andrew Adams, I guess it was a, involved in a little bit of a skirmish and pulling some guys out of the pile. But... I'm, I can't believe Bruce Arians got fined 50 grand. 50, 50 grand for slapping a guy in the helmet. Are you kidding me? So how do you think Bruce Arians feels? Do you think he's going to look to that kid and say, hey, buddy, you owe me 50 grand because <laughs> I was trying to save us from being penalized here? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think so. I think Bruce isn't big enough and, and made enough money. He ain't. It's not that that he's worried about. If you can imagine... A fifty grand hit is not that big a deal. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what that's like. What it must be like. But you know, the yeah, fact- well, how do you feel about coming into the league about twenty years too early? Oh, oh, oh! Can I tell you something? Sure. I I got fined a couple times in in in, in my my career uh, for fighting and uh, for having my socks too high. Now think about this. You told me the socks thing a number yeah. of times. Here. Yes. You know, and do you remember the, the, the amount total? I do not. $50. $50. See, how, how about earlier this year, CeeDee Lamb of the Cowboys got fined, I think, like $15,000 or something like that, 10000 <laughs> for having his jersey untucked. Yeah. yeah, exactly so. You know... <laughs> The best story about an untucked jersey? You know, if if my mom fined me $15,000 every time the family got together and my shirt was a little untucked in front of my grandparents or aunts and uncles, I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> oh, but, but like exactly. I mean bankrupt for bankrupt enough for like 100 people to be bankrupt. <laughs> if my mom yeah. fined me every time at a family <laughs> gathering my shirt was a little bit untucked. <laughs> What do you think you're, 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 you're Adams, right? Andrew Adams, you come out, you pull a guy out of the pile, 
And then you you stop, and all of a sudden, here comes your head coach smacking you upside the head. And then the head coach gets fined 50 grand. I'm thinking I'm Andrew Adams. I'm thinking, I hope he, he's not mad at me about that. <laughs> you know, because what's a, what's a little smack in the head? I don't know. I To me, that's like just a – how do you find somebody for something so ridiculous as an elderly gentleman such as Bruce Arians smacking a ball player, a highly trained safety, a guy who is, um, you know, those heat-seeking missiles, one of those guys who's pretty well trained in close-quarter combat out of the field there. <laughs> you know, and you're going to find Bruce Arians for hitting him upside the head when the guy was wrong in the first place? I don't know. I find that a little bit difficult to swallow. And if I'm Andrew Adams, I'm thinking, Japers, I hope he doesn't get honked off at me. Uh, Wolf, the the NFL, I believe you're familiar with this term. It's only a four-letter term, soft. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think. You know, you're right. And and that's an interesting thing because I one of the things I always say is if, if you – if they coach the guys like they used to coach us back in the 80s, there would be guys in tears. I mean, nowadays. I mean, and Bruce Arians really harkens back to that time period. He really is – of that time period, that mentality. Um, I remember one time, quick story at Syracuse University. I was on the uh, extra point field goal team, uh, and uh, I, I, I was moved up to the first team because I was I just started at, at tackle there. But I forgot that I was on the extra point field goal team as a first teamer. I'd been backing up prior to that, and so when I was sitting off to the side and I came off. Uh, I heard this thing, uh, we're down a man, and all of a sudden I realized that, oh, I I ran out there, and my head coach, Frank Maloney, kicked me in the butt <laughs> when, I, when I when I ran by. How much did how much did Coach Baloney get fined for that little kick? Zippo, Zippo. And my, my dad, my old man, sitting up in the, in the stands. You know what right? I bet your old man said? I said, you better pay your coach <laughs> for, they, for, for doing you the favor of giving you that kick. You know, my, my, similar to that, my dad said, I would have kicked you twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference in, you know, our, our, our eras, you know. My dad would not put up with anything like that. You weren't paying attention? All right, whack. You know, I mean, that's just the way it was. You know, hey, pass the ketchup. What? I said pass the ketchup. What? Oh, whack. That would be it. You know what I mean? It's just like that's the way it was back in the day. It's a different world, Wolf. And thank you for the second time today harping on how great it was to grow up in your generation, <laughs> the, the tough, the ground, the, the, the salt of the earth generation. The one where we walked walk to school uphill both ways mm-hmm. in snow. All right. I want to thank you, Jacob, for thank s- you, Wolf. sitting in with me again. I think we're going to do it again tomorrow. I believe so. All right. And my, and my ninja partner, Tom, will be joining us. This is fabulous because when the ninjas start double teaming, look out, anything can happen. It's Folks. a ninja takeover. You know, what, you know what that means. It's <laughs> It's not in the locker room with Wolf. It's in the locker room with us, and Wolf is there. I got it. Very much so. I appreciate you, Jacob. Looking forward to tomorrow, Appreciate folks. you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.